Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Welcome to episode 44 of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. On today's show, we have a, a really brilliant, insightful, interesting discussion with Joshua Goodwin. Um, Joshua is, I suppose, the other half or the uh, another third of the Heritage City Hitmen, um, a team that regular guest on the show, David Eaton, is also uh, has also been a part of. Joshua has a, a fascinating tale of how he got into wrestling originally, his early favourites, his training process, um, working for various companies, uh, but also it's more than that. It's not just a wrestling chat today. Um, Mr. Goodwin's really, uh, really, really opens up and discusses about why he stepped away from wrestling a couple of times. Um, issues with mental health and so on, just something you know very very near and dear to my heart if, if anyone ever uh, wants to talk about that because my own my own issues my own uh, my own situations with that in the past um i found it one of the most interesting insightful uh and, and honest discussions that we've ever had on the sjp wrestling podcast um i hope everyone listening really enjoys it uh, and uh just you know just just takes it all on board and uh has a good time listening to the show today uh, coming up on the show as well, we have more old school show reviews with David Eaton looking back at 2000. Um, we're carrying on our series looking back through the year of 1993 as well with Simon Quest of Evolution Wrestling. Uh, I have a few more interviews lined up as well. Uh, Sean Courant is coming back to the show to look at a TNA event with us very, very soon. That's gonna, that's incredibly uh, going to be very unique. We've not looked at any TNA or Impact Wrestling at all on the show so far, despite being as many episodes in as we are. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that, and also the. Um, the Ultimate Raw Rumble episode we did a while ago with um, my chain wrestling buddy Mags and uh, Paul Tolly, the brilliant Paul Tolly from Badlands podcast and so on. Um, that format, give or take, you know, the the people participating or not, but the format is going to be returning as well. We're going to have a look at WrestleManias and King of the Rings and Survivor Series and trying to book our our ultimate cards, our ultimate competitors and so on. Um, it's something that I've been sort of toying with ideas-wise for a while. The Ultimate Raw Rumble episode, if you want to tr- track back and have a listen, if you've not heard it already, is one of our most well-received shows so far. The feedback was awesome, the amount of listens and, and so on it got was great. Um, so that's kind of the idea we're going to be looking at going forward. If you have any suggestions for the podcast, please feel free to reach out. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, 
or Twitter um, at SJP Wrestling Pod, or you can find me on Twitter at SJP Words. Please reach out, drop us a message, any pay per views you would like us to have a look at, um, any particular guests you would like me to try and get on to look at these certain pay per views. Uh, perhaps you want to be a guest yourself. Anything at all, really. Any ideas, interactions, always welcome. The more. The more we discuss the show, the more you tell me what you like and dislike, the easier it is for me to to, to make the content what you want to hear. Okay, um, that's enough of me waffling on again this week. Um, as always, thank you so so much for listening. Um, I really I, I really hope you you enjoy the conversation I have with uh, Mr. Goodwin as much as I enjoyed recording it with him initially. Uh, it is really an insightful, open, honest discussion. It, it, it's brilliant stuff. Chuck us a follow on all the social medias I listed at SJP Wrestling Pod. Just search that everywhere and it should come up. Um, and yeah. There we go. As always, thank you for listening. Hello, brother. This is NWA WCW Enhancement Talent, Randy Hogan, baby. Being in the ring with the Road Warriors, Vader, Abdul the Butcher, Midnight Express and all them guys. Let me tell you, it was dang rough. But not as rough as listening to Cyan Mags on that chain wrestling show, brother. What you gonna do when this pair of fools, Cy Mag and Chain Wrestling Brother, runs wild on you? Joshua Goodwin, how are we doing, sir? Hello there. How are you? I'm I'm very good, thank you. Very good. Really, really happy to be uh, speaking with you today. Really thank happy you that much. you're that you're sort of taking yeah. the time to have a chat about. Well, you, you, your fandom, I guess, of wrestling and, and your own your own exploits in the business itself. Um, I've, as, as you know, from you know, so I speak to David Eaton, your sort of partner in crime, on and off for many years. Good old day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I speak to him on a regular basis, and as you know from when I've seen you at shows, um, me and my wife have always loved the Heritage City Hitmen, enjoyed watching you guys wrestle and so on. So for me, it's brilliant to have an opportunity to have a sit down and just have, just have a chat with you about, about this crazy world, I guess. Get, get, get him to talk with the other one. That'd be fun. <laughs> the better one, shall we say. Sorry, Dave won't well, listen I to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose we should uh, give people a bit of context, a bit of background. Um, my guest today, Joshua, is... The other half, or, or at one stage, one third, I guess, of the Heritage City Hitmen, who um, were a trio and then a tag team in Evolution Wrestling, from when I started taking my family to shows to basically, you know, shortly before lockdown, when the group sort of disbanded and so on. Um, everyone's aware, and anyone who listens to this show, my other show, or has ever spoken to me, knows how much I love um the, the bad guys i suppose that the heels that the, the, and i also love a good faction a good group and so on um mm. so you guys ticked a lot of boxes for me we ticked all the boxes for you then exactly yeah yeah and it's always entertaining watching you guys wrestle um before we sort of jump too far ahead with that though i suppose the best mm. place to start would literally be at the beginning um as a fan uh, as a youngster or maybe not so young whichever way it was how did you first sort of stumble across the, this the world of pro wrestling like what was what was your first encounter of this crazy world well and i was thought about it and i'm not a hundred percent sure it was one of two things it was either i discovered smackdown 2 okay was like my first like the actual the video game and it's my mate playing it and i was like immediately like oh what is this what is this amazingness? 
Yeah. You know, I'd like, I don't know, Kane and Undertaker and his double denim. It was, it was magic. <laughs> <laughs> or it was either that or I was at my grandmother's house and flipping through channels. And I think it was an episode of Sunday Night Heat. And I remember, retrospectively, obviously didn't know it at the time, but it was Taz versus Big Show. And the main memory I have is that Taz had him in a Taz mission and the Big Show like dropped backwards and splattered him. <laughs> Brilliant. And, and, it, and immediately I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, actually, how many people mention, um, well, both of those things, um, uh, the sort of computer games from that era, the sort of SmackDown versus Raw or SmackDown 2 or whichever. Um, I think the earliest we had somebody yeah, mentioned. Those, those, are the same, those are the same thing. No, 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 you know. But, uh, <laughs> um, and seeing wrestling at their grandparents' house. Um, one of the first times I saw it was was at my grandparents' place. And so it's amazing how many people do come up with that. Uh, and I've had a guest on the show who, who had no interest in wrestling whatsoever, but every weekend would play the computer games with their mates. And, and that's how they got into it. So it's funny to me how these, these things sort of work out, I guess. Um, yeah. So from seeing Taz get splatted, <laughs> uh, where did you go from there? Was it then a case of, I want to watch more of this? or Not not really, not for a long while. I played the games mm-hmm. and I was into it, but I didn't have like, I didn't have Sky. I didn't have any way of really watching it. And so it probably wasn't until about 2003, actually, that I like started seriously watching it because my dad had a mate down the pub who watched wrestling and he would like record it on VHS for me. Yeah, so I'd watch, Smack, I'd watch SmackDown and I'd watch like Bottom Line. And I've actually started watching the SmackDowns from that time period again for a bit of nostalgia. And like, it, they're still really like, the stories are really good, like far too like mature for like 11 year old me. But I just <laughs> remember, um, yeah, it was great. Like the, the one memory that I have was it was Angle against Lesnar, the Iron Man match. Oh, what a, what a match, yeah. Which, by the way, I still think is like the best Iron Man match ever, and it's just got such a great story, and it's so well told. And, yeah. But the thing was, um, so the guy who was recording it must have gotten bored, because about halfway through, he flips the channel, and it must have been when David Blaine was hanging in a box above London. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was a little bit heartbroken by that, because I was like, no! Oh. no 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 this, this is this, oh no angle what's happening yeah but he did switch back and i remember um actually me and my oldest sister didn't care a damn about wrestling we were like so into it we we're like that's that's and i'm like ankle up get the ankle up go on <laughs> and then he lost because paul Heyman hates us so yeah yeah it's funny I, I mentioned that match literally a couple of days ago um we i spoke to david uh about judgment day 2000 which was the main event there as oh, an iron man match. of course yeah that had and, an iron man match, yeah. yeah so i was re-watching it for that show um my wife actually said about iron man matches in general i mean how many have their beer and so on and i got into this long in-depth conversation and, and basically just bored the crap out of her talking about lesnar <laughs> angle <laughs> yeah, for a yeah. while so no it, mean, it is a great contest I- it's really good yeah, and I mean, obviously, like the whole concept of like an hour-long match was something that they kind of had come from more of the NWA and that, and they just mm. kind of molded it and went, let's have an Iron Man thing. And then I think the first one was Brett and Sean, which obviously I I always thought kind of def- didn't serve the purpose of an Iron Man match because they went an hour without any falls. Yeah, but that's like personal taste, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Def- I mean, okay, with regards to that, then. 
obviously you've seen Brett and Sean b- before, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Um, to me, that match. If we can go off into the weeds a little bit now, but you know, bear sure. with me. Sure. <laughs> like, to me, that I like match, the weed. <laughs> it's very much. Um, it, it's very much. It, it's divisive amongst fans. I find mm-hmm. people either think that it's an absolute clinic, or they think it's pretty damn boring. Um, whereabouts do you sit on that, it, or are you somewhere mm-hmm. actually in the middle? Or I'm probably somewhere in the middle. But what I see is them knocking the hell out of each other. Mm. They're so talented that you don't necessarily, but they're just thumping each other. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I remember there's like when um, Michaels comes off with a moonsault and he just squishes Brett. And I think that like, and it might be a little bit reading too much into it, but I think you can kind of see the legit animosity that was there. Yeah. But like, it is a, it is a very good match. Like it is a very good match. My main gripe with it is that it doesn't necessarily tell the story of an Iron Man match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, yeah. So I mean, you could have had really long you can have the drama, I guess, of 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 mm-hmm. going to sudden death and having the, yeah. the next next fall wins, so to speak, I mm-hmm. guess, but still have it two two in normal yeah, time, have, maybe. But falls again. Yeah. I, I, again, it's the whole idea of like working the gimmick of the match, and the gimmick of the match is that it's going to go an hour, and that there will probably be multiple falls. Mm. Yeah. No. But, that but in, in terms of. In terms of like a match, like it's oh, great, like great. Yeah. I mean, Sean, oh, I've said so many times. I'm a big Bret Hart fan, massive Bret Hart. And '96, '97 was really sort of my. I, I was 15, 16, 17 around this time, so that was really sort of my era as well. Um, but Sean was my guy. I just thought this just because again. So I, I, I like the bad guys. Yeah. I like I like the arrogant, conceited, you know. And and I just thought this guy is a complete dick, but he's brilliant. <laughs> and, and I think that the thing for like a guy like Bret Hart is that he was a lot better with someone like a Shawn Michaels because he was quite, like, not bland, but he was very straight ahead. He was like, he yeah. was a wrestler. So if he had a character to work with, it just made everything mm. just a, bit, a little bit more, like, spicy. But again, that's, like, my personal preference anyway because, as you may have noticed from my wrestling, I'm big into characters. Right, yeah, very familiar, much so. I mean, with regards to Brett... It's funny that he's he's always been always portrayed himself as well as being the good guy, Mister Squeaky Clean, and so on. But the most character you got out of the guy was when he turned heel in in ninety seven. I find that's the case with everyone. Though. Like I find that because you can go in more directions, and also I think Brett had it going in his favor that there was actually some he was he was taking it from somewhere real. Mm. Like Brett has always kind of had that like chip on his shoulder about like. I've not been given the respect I deserve. And frankly, in my opinion, he does take this too seriously. Yeah. Like he, he sees it as, again, he, he's whinging about like, yeah, he was whinging just in general, but like he was complaining about, like he'd acknowledge that it wasn't like entirely legit until he was screwed. And then it's like, I didn't lose. It's like, dude, you never won. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... It's frustrating when you, I suppose, when you get to being a grown up and you see your heroes in a different light, I suppose, and you understand more what's going on. It can be a bit disappointing, I guess. And Brett kind of ticks a few of those boxes for me. I thought the guy was wonderful when I was younger. Now, every now and again, I think, oh, mate, step away from the laptop or stop doing interviews. And yeah. do you know what I mean? It's... Give it a rest, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, Oh yeah, I've seen pictures of that. Yeah. I mean if that was a fan, you'd think, okay, they're a big fan. But when it's of yourself. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I mean, getting back uh, back on track, then I suppose we we, we discussed you were getting uh, the shows recorded for you um, and watching SmackDown and so on that way. I mean, how old were you around this this sort of time then? Uh, it would have been about eleven. Okay. At eleven or twelve. So was this then a, just a continuation of of being a fan? Did you ever fall yeah, away from, I, from it, or was it just a constant from that moment on? I definitely say it was like a continuation, like from like being very young, like with like like the games. Maybe there was like a three four year gap where I was still into it, but again, I didn't have the means to watch it. From there, I started watching it and you know sort of getting into it. Um, then kind of went away for a bit like not not really i just i didn't have the means to watch it again so yeah it was, still something that, it was still something that very much interested me it just you know i didn't have the means mm-hmm. um then yeah i mean it's just kind of one of those things where i was always a fan but like i didn't know anything about it and i kind of uh, i kind of wanted to but then i've learned the mistake of that which is it kills the magic <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's funny. I, it, I suppose it's difficult for for some people to understand now. I guess. I mean, I look at my kids. I, I use them quite often. My, my youngest daughter, especially, as a, a sort of comparison. I guess with wrestling, mm-hmm. she watches a lot of wrestling with me. So her, I mean, I, I'm forty years old, fully aware how everything works, and can be, I suppose, a little bit on the grumpy, cynical side. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Whereas my daughter yeah. is eleven years old. The magic is very much alive, and she she adores everything yeah. she sees. So I often use her on the show for different things like that. And it's funny how you hear so many people I speak to talk about watching wrestling and then um, not having the means to continue watching for a certain period in their life. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I, if I said that to my daughter, she, she wouldn't be able to get her head around that. It's a completely different time because there's access to it on YouTube. There's the Facebook videos. There's this, there's that. There's, it's everywhere, um, especially yeah, exactly. with regards to the WWE. It's incredible. You know, but when I was younger, I was the same as you. My uncle would record. We only had four or five pay-per-views back then. I'm talking 92, 93. My uncle would record yeah. the pay-per-views for me. And I remember SummerSlam 93 having to wait until it was re-shown because that was Luger, Yokozuna in the main event. Yeah, Luger, Yokozuna. Having to wait until there was a rerun of it for my uncle to tape it again because he'd set Uh the video player up and put it on the wrong channel and went to bed. Uh, and of course, I was devastated when I got. And there's all these challenges that I suppose fans <laughs> like such as yourself and I have gone through. That yeah, I, I look at my kids and think they're never going to experience that side of that, that side of wrestling fandom. I guess. Nah, they they don't know they're born, do they? No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh um, man, that, that's terrible! I just got this image in my mind. You're like already in raring to watch yeah. SummerSlam, and you've got like four hours of late night shopping. Yeah, exactly. Someone trying to sell me a lawnmower or something at eleven yeah. years of age. <laughs> um, so, so going from you know watching on a regular basis um, when you had access to to what you wanted to to see and so on. Um, who were your early favourites? Who were the guys or, or, or girls you looked at and thought, "Why, that's my hero," or "That's who I want to be," or whatever? My main like. The main people that I would say that I was into when I was first watching was The Undertaker. Okay. Like, American Badass, like Undertaker. So this is like 0203, so it's like the end of, just before he gets buried alive. Yeah. 
uh, Shawn Michaels, um, Eugene. Oh, right. Eugene, yeah, great Eugene. character. Um, and I, I think that might have been it, maybe. Um, yeah, that was probably like the main three that I was like, yeah, these are the guys. Again, with, with Eugene now looking back, it's like, this guy's not winning a title ever. Yeah. But when you're 11, you're like, you could do it. Yeah, totally. And he, he was great as well. Like when he used to use um, s- certain holds that were a bit of a throwback to previous generations. Yeah. And rest- I, I got a big kick out of that. I thought the guy was superb. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite WrestleMania, obviously in hindsight now, we understand, uh, you know, Mr. Hulk Hogan's attitudes away from wrestling may not be what everyone appreciates or, or agrees with. I, I very much, to, a, to a, as much as possible, I'm very much like, the art, not the artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, somebody on a previous show once said that Hulk Hogan was their hero, but they understand Terry Bollea as a dick. So yeah. I think that's a good way of sort of looking at it. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I forgot because you asked like my favorite wrestlers. Like I've entirely forgotten my absolute favorite wrestler, which was Mick Foley. Ah. Foley, absolutely brilliant, yeah. I mean, I brought up Hogan because you said about Eugene. Yeah. It led to one of my favourite WrestleMania moments of all time when Hogan was going yeah. in the Hall of Fame and, mm-hmm. and then Eugene's in the ring and he, uh, Mohammed Hassan comes out. And when yeah. Real American hits and he comes out to save Eugene, still to this yeah. day, 40, 40 years of age, goosebumps. Do you know I mean, it's absolutely yeah. brilliant. And, and everyone just loses their ever-loving mind. Yeah. Brilliant. That's absolutely that's great wrestling to me. Yeah. So what was it about um, Mick Foley then that sort of appealed to you? I think the thing that appealed, like, at, at first it was like, you know, he does all the cool stuff. He goes through tables, he goes yeah. through stuff, he gets hit over the head with things. But it was also that he didn't, he, he seemed more like an everyman. Mm. You could look at him and be like, okay, I couldn't be the rock. I couldn't be, I couldn't maybe stone cold, maybe less stone cold, but like, I could be Mick Foley. I yeah. could be Manga. I could be Cactus Jack. Um, mostly, though, it was him getting thrown through stuff and bleeding. <laughs> which, which actually, I kind of like, I, I can't really watch Foley so much anymore because I've seen like the, the awesome bumps that he used to take, but I've seen the toll it took on him now. Mm. So I kind of feel uncomfortable. Like there's, some, like, there's Over the Edge 98. This wasn't like so much. That from when I was watching, but like retroactively, like going through his stuff. Yeah. And there's just some stuff, that, like I just remember there's this one bump he takes against Austin. Austin clotheslines him like he's sitting on a guardrail and he gets clotheslined over and he goes straight on his head. And in my mind, I'm like, maybe 30% of the audience actually saw that. It wasn't really captured on, on the camera very well. And you've probably just given yourself the third concussion you've had this week. Yeah. And so it's always like kind of makes me feel a bit uncomfortable because I I remember seeing him, uh, he did one of his stand-ups and I remember at the meet and greet, they said like he'd be there for the photographs, but what he won't do is look look into the flash because he can't because it like messes with like, I I can't remember exactly, but I was like, damn. Why? I I think just the the head trauma. Yeah. Like he couldn't like look in the flash. I was like. But then you look at, 
throughout his whole career, isn't it? You look at his stuff yeah. in Japan, you look mm-hmm. at his his stuff, um, well, Terry Funk dotted all over the place, his, his stuff, his yeah. Cactus Jack in WCW, um, and then in, in the WWF, the chair shots he used to take and so on. It's ah, incredible. Royal, Royal Rumble 99 with yeah. The Rock, I quit. Ugh. Yeah, oh. over and over and over and just, yeah. And it's especially, it's especially uncomfortable now watching that back when you've seen something, I think it's beyond the mat, isn't it? Where they, mm-hmm. they speak to his oh, family yeah. and, oh, that's incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, that, that was a bad move on his part. Yeah. He shouldn't have had <laughs> in the front row knowing what was going to happen. Yeah, definitely. I think they said the rock got a bit carried away, but even so, you can, they, you can wind it in a bit, you know? Sounds like they both got a bit carried away because Foley was supposed to like take like maybe five chair shots. And what mm-hmm. happened was he got hit and he legit like got mad and fired up. Right. And so he like stood there and was like, come on, hit me. And so Rock's in character like, okay, point, point, point. <laughs> and it's it's the attitude era. And The Rock, I know it's supposed to be pretty, like he brought it with those chair shots. Yeah. He did not care. And Foley had his hands like handcuffed. Yeah. So, Insane. Yeah. Um, so despite watching all this, I suppose mm. for want of a better term, brutality, um, <laughs> at what stage did you think, I'm going to do that? What what made you sort of think that's what I want to do, and how did that process begin? <laughs> so this is not going to be nearly as long or as interesting as some people because I never considered it as a thing. Like, okay, I I was not I I retrospectively realised that I was a lot more athletic than I gave myself credit, but I always thought like I was just like I, I wasn't I didn't have very much confidence in myself. I like. Again, looking back, I've realized that I had a lot of problems with depression and anxiety, which which we can get into in a bit. But um, what actually happened was I dropped out of sixth form with my mate around the same time. We were just kind of bumming around. And one day he was like, come on, we're going to wrestling school. I was like, (laughs) are we? So we just went to, um, it would have still been Evolution, although they would have been under a different name. I just went to their wrestling school one week and he never came back and i never stopped going right okay so did you know anyone else there other than the person you went with or nope nope no i did i did i didn't know anyone from like the scene so it wasn't as if like i knew because t-bone i think was the guy training at the time but i didn't know him as a like a person i just saw him as a big muscly guy and Mm. carry um uh but yeah i just sort of i kind of took to it because I've always, I was always like, when I was in school, I was an actor. I did a lot of performance. So the performance side has always come kind of naturally to me. And then when it came to the physical stuff, it was like, oh, damn, I can do quite a lot of this. Like the first week, there was like, they just had a battle royal at the end because it's like, oh, we're bored, let's do a battle royal. And I can't remember who it was, but like I charged it and did like a low bridge. And without any like prompting or training, I was able to like bounce myself out of the ring. Right. Like, safely and it was like oh that was amazing oh um, brilliant I, but yeah that was it was good fun um and that was it it was just like this is fun and maybe i could do this but then say with, with um like the brain stuff the mental things it kind of gets wrapped around but say, oh, we'll come back to that yeah okay so i mean was there was there any nerves going in then the first time your mates literally just said, come on, this is what we're doing. I mean, to me, I always, I always liken it to, I suppose, going into a new job. There's that, for me, there's that moment. And I've, I've started a lot of new jobs in the last year. Trust me. There's, <laughs> there's a, 
there's that moment of walking up to the door for the first time and thinking, okay, there's a load of people in there I don't know. I'm going to be around them and so on. That's when I get nervous going into a new job. Um, what's how, how how was your mindset? Was, was there any nerves with you when you were sort of walking across the car park or anything like that? Or um, It was a while ago. I'm trying to remember. I, there definitely would have been because I was just a nervous wreck all the time. But, like, what I did have was because I was able to, like, put on a mask, as it were, I was able to put on this performance, like, shield, Mm -hmm. I wasn't me anymore. And because of that, like, when I'm performing or when I was performing, all that went away, at least while I was performing. Okay. And I think that's what really, like, I latched onto at the time because it was like, oh, this this is great fun. And I can get like validation that I don't find anywhere else, and I enjoy doing this. And I seem to be the first go round. I definitely didn't appreciate like I was really quite good at this, and mm-hmm. I probably wasn't really good at it to begin with because that's not how it works. But um, I definitely had a knack for some things. As I say, I've, I've always been able to like facials and stuff. I've always been able to do the performance stuff. Has always come fairly naturally to me. Right. Okay. So I think I, I think it was just discovering something. It's like I'm actually I'm quite good at this, and it makes me feel good to do it. So, which yeah. is which is brilliant, isn't it? When you discover that that, that thing, regardless of what it may be, you know, mm-hmm. to, to find that 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 sort of thing that ticks your boxes, that makes you feel that way, is 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 superb. Um, in these early training sessions, then, I mean. <sighs> I've got certain questions that I tend to always come back to. Sure. Um, and one of them is the first big bump. How did that feel? The first time you sort of literally threw yourself on your back. Great. Yeah. Didn't hurt. Oh, okay. That's something else I was always I like. I've, I've never had, I've always been quite good at bumping as well. That's always come fairly naturally to me. So it didn't hurt. In fact, I, I found out that I actually have a very flat back. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like that that really helps but like i'm I'm almost entirely flat and then i get to my like ass but <laughs> right <laughs> so that's very handy yeah that. um but yeah no that felt great because again i like once i was shown how to do it and then i did it and i thought like, i can do this i can do this and at that time there wasn't very many things i thought i could do so it was like this is awesome <laughs> yeah no that's fantastic um, and I can see, literally, I mean, obviously this is an audio podcast, but we're actually talking via the cameras and so on. I can see you grinning and smiling away as, as you're talking about the, these moments and so on. So mm-hmm. it's it's brilliant to see somebody, I suppose, th- that happy about what they're doing. It's it's great, you know. I love I love seeing that in other people. It's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. So in this in this your your first sort of run through as a trainee in the in the academy yeah. and so on um, is that where you met uh, David Eaton and Ricky not, Reed not, and the rest of the guys? Not the first run. So I should explain. My first run was when I was eighteen, um, and that was I just I was again I was essentially still a child and I was just sort of knocking around and I did it for a little bit and then one week I just stopped and I just stopped. Okay. Um, and then. The second time when I came back, I think that would have been when I met Dave, not Rick. Because, again, I think where I've been, like, in and out of, like, the training system. Yeah, I don't remember Rick. But, yeah, I remember meeting Dave. And I remember that Dave was the one guy who I really, like, connected with. Because we both kind of, like, 
we both kind of got it, if that makes sense. We kind of understood that it was more than just doing the bumps and mm-hmm. doing the moves. And that's not to say that I was in any way like my understanding of wrestling now is miles away from where it was then. Like I didn't, I didn't get it, but I got it more than a lot of our peers at the yeah. time. Okay, because they yeah. were just like cool stuff. Um, and that went on for a bit, and then. Uh, I don't, yeah, I didn't mind that wrestling then. Then I went away again. Uh, and then the third time, which w- I would have been 25, 26, that was when I really started, like, stuck at it for a bit. And then we wound up getting on with shows and that. And Dave was already with Rick as a tag team, as the Harry City Hitmen. I don't know if they weren't really featured on shows at the time. Like, but I think a lot of that was just to do with, like, they just weren't necessarily entirely in the rotation. Like they were still getting work, but it wasn't like, like when it was later when we were consistently, mm-hmm. like we were on the shows, we were often broke into main events. It was great. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And so like just making progress with that. And uh, yeah, that was sort of like when it really, really got going with the third time. Okay. So, so the third time then you're getting, I suppose a proper run. You're on shows now, as opposed to just being yeah. in the academy and 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 so on. Um, and you're with uh, Eaton and 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 yeah, Ricky Eaton, Reed. Eaton and Reed. Like I started off as their manager for a little while. See, this is what I was going to ask next. Actually, how did how did the whole format of of the trio of the Heritage City Hitmen come around? Because you say they were a tag team before, but then you've come in and you're not you're not brand new. You've already you already know what you're doing from your previous times yeah. there. Um, and then you're involved in this in this team that eventually becomes well one of my favourite acts in the Evolution wrestling shows I went to. So how did that sort oh, of develop? We, we we were we were good, weren't we? Weren't we? Oh, absolutely fantastic! <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I told David, and the first time I spoke to him, one of my favourite memories is um, an entrance. I don't even know whereabouts it was. It might have not been a, a school in Churchdown, like one of these, these spot shows, or there was a show somewhere anyway. And you guys made your entrance, and I'd already bought a Heritage City Hitman T-shirt, to which my little girl was mortified about. She was like, "Why do you like these guys?" And then when you came out, of course, everyone's booing, um, yeah. and I stood up and started clapping, and I, literally, my little girl nearly ripped my arm at the socket, where she grabbed my arm and was hanging off my arm to try and stop me clapping you guys, because she hated you so much. So it just absolutely, to me, just pure gold. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's, oh, that's great. There's nothing I enjoy more than hearing people boo me. <laughs> I, the, I, I, that sounds weird, but like, it, it that just means I'm doing my job. Yeah, exactly. And I so that. again, how did how did the team sort of develop then? You, you've come back so, and they're already established as a duo. So talk us through that process. So I had it in my mind that I I had it in my mind that I couldn't rest, that I wasn't good enough. But I had it in my mind that I could maybe be a manager because I could do the the theatrics, the you know, the panther okay. stuff, if you will. Um, and so I just had it in my mind that I could do that, and then I did that for a little while, and I'm pretty sure it was just that like one I was. Like my some of the trainers, like I think Luke Gilligan Gordon was like, "You're too good to just be to just be managing." Like it's great that you are, and it's good that you enjoy it, but you're too good to just do that. Um, I think Yestin may have said the same, like Yestin Reed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I don't know because a lot of like the training that I did was actually like one on one with Dave because we just 
stick around after like train or we'd just come in separately and he probably said it like I, he, he never really commits to say much of anything he's like he's very like placid in that he won't like yeah. try to tell he won't tell you try to tell you what to do like in any regard because he's I don't know, it's just his way um but yeah and i think rick was just missing from a show like he was, wasn't going to be on a show so they needed someone to like just someone to make up the numbers so it was like well first off i was like the wrestling manager of like the probably the brain heenan kind of role um and that went fine and then i'm pretty sure it was the next show i was just helping dave lose the title right <laughs> Because Rick wasn't there again, and I was just okay. like, "I'm a wrestler now." Okay, there. Fair enough. <laughs> um, well. how how long then were you were you as part of this team on this occasion? Because obviously, we mentioned before I actually pressed record that you, you sort of stepped away a couple of times and come back and, and so on. Um, this first occasion. How long were you with the Heritage City Hitmen, with Dave? Because uh, you had a few, you had tag title runs as well, didn't mm-hmm. you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was like my, my main run. Like, mm-hmm. that, that was like the main body of it. And I want to say that was maybe two or three years. I, I, again, I'm not, I'm terrible at like dates and stuff. Okay. I think it would have been like maybe from 2000, 2016 to like 2019 was when I like walked away for a bit. Well, till now. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, that was like the main body of the run. Um, probably started like seriously tagging with like just Dave because Rick walked away. Poor Dave, he's, he's terrible at picking them tag partners. Anyway. <laughs> Perhaps there's um, something about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's Dave. Maybe, yeah. we, maybe Dave's yeah. the problem. Do you hear that, Dave? You're the problem. Sorry, Dave. Okay. <laughs> not the problem. Um, yeah, so I mean, that was. Yeah, there was a period of time when it was like I got it in my head that we could seriously make a go of it, and Dave was like, "Yeah, okay." And then we kind of started doing tags outside of Evolution, and we came became more sort of like the, we refined the tag team nestness. Basically, we pinched a lot from a lot of like good eighties tag teams, like and the Revival, mm-hmm. um, but like the Busters and stuff. And we just sort of went, "Okay, this could be our niche. We could be like the tag team," which by the adage that we were the proper tag team because we looked around and we saw a lot of teams that were two individuals yeah and so like with the exception of say off the top of my head, like the hunter brothers which are like best tag team in the country by, yeah they're uh, fantastic aren't they by a mile probably because they're a dedicated tag team and a lot oh. of people don't like they just don't like to do that and it is people don't necessarily understand or respect the idea that like tag wrestling and like singles wrestling are not in any way like they're really very different there's a lot a lot more moving parts there's a lot more use of like the ref when tag wrestling is done well like if you watch the brain busters or someone like that they the positioning of the referee and things like that it's always it's a lot it's a much more integral part mm-hmm. of like, tag wrestling um i've lost my head where was i no, no, you you were just talking about the, the initial run and how long you were there the first time round and so on and from oh, there. But yeah. with regards to to being a, a a sort of dedicated tag team, a proper tag team, I suppose, using air quotes there, um, it is to me very much something that is 
of its time, isn't it? I guess when you look around and you see lots of individuals being put together it, right from the WWE down, um, I suppose AEW's got more of a tag team sort of committee there, or they're committed, sorry, to more tag team wrestling yeah. there. Um, but I, I, I love tag team wrestling, and you mentioned there the Brainbusters, mm-hmm. Arn and Tully. Um, I'm, I'm a big Jim Crockett promotions fan and yeah, yeah, fan, course, all that that's that's right up my street so r and tally i think are fantastic you say about the revival absolutely fantastic as well it's all stuff that i really really enjoy so maybe again that's another reason why i kind of levitated to watching you guys potentially i don't know but it, you it, could it, see that it was you were very much a team yeah. I, I, from, from that, the was, other... that was like our, our main our main like focus of this. Mm. we will be known as a team we will work as a team we will win or lose as a team. We will, all that stuff. It was like the idea that if we get nothing else across, it's that we are a team. Yeah. And that that's how we win. Yeah. And it worked. It definitely, mm-hmm. you know, from the other side of the rail, for want of a better term, um, from yeah. my standpoint watching, it definitely worked. Um, so th- you say after this initial run, you, w- you stepped away for, for a time. Um, yeah. What exactly were the reasons for that? Was it just a case of burnt out, had enough, didn't want to do any more, or was there more personal issues, or what? What? What went on there? So, I was very much of the opinion that I was burnt out. I was very much of the opinion that, like, so I, I've taken the decision to like step away from evolution. I believe that, like, that was a situation. Like, there was other things going into it, but like, I felt as if for whatever reason, like, I, I wasn't getting where I wanted to be. And I kind of associated that with like my connection to evolution. So, walked okay. away from evolution. And then I found everything was the same. I found that I still wasn't where I wanted to be. And I got very down on myself about it. And I just, I was like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. And I'm supposed to be enjoying this, so I'm a go. Wind the clock forward to last year. And I find that I've had like issues with like anxiety and depression that I didn't appreciate. So let me explain my interpretation or my journey with like anxiety. Okay. So you throw yourself, well, anxiety and depression. So you throw yourself into stuff to keep your brain busy because you don't like yourself very much. Um, however, that anxiety is there kind of stopping you from committing to stuff because it fills you with doubt and it tells you you're not able to do stuff and so it means that you never fully commit to like the performance and it with me it made me extra critical of me like I don't think I ever had a rest had a match where I was like I'm happy with that not ever once like and it also was such a double-edged sword in that regard because anything I did that I thought I did well, I would completely disregard. Like, it would be like, eh, I'm supposed to do that. It's fine. Like, I didn't celebrate those victories, but you could guarantee if there was something I thought that I blew up, it would sit with me and chew away at me for, like, days. Like, I'd say days. Like, let's say it was a training session and we were going over something like an arm ringer or whatever, and I just, I flushed it once. That would sit with me. Or, and probably until the next training session, and it would make me feel terrible. So, from that, like, 
framework, if you will, like, it would just it meant that everything like it everything about like my relationship with me meant that I couldn't enjoy what I was doing as a performer. Okay. Um, and so yeah, rolled along to twenty twenty. Turns out it affects every aspect of my life. My life essentially fell apart. Like my long, long, long suffering ex girlfriend finally like like I can't do this anymore, and dipped off. And that basically precipitated where I got to take a long hard look at myself, essentially, and try to un like stop running from the stuff that was like eating me alive because and i the other thing is i didn't realize i had a problem like, mm. you don't know like you don't know where your brain is until you're able to look at it and oftentimes people they're keeping themselves busy so they don't look at it but while it's doing that it undermines everything that you're trying to do and while the anxiety means that you can't fully commit to stuff it also feeds into the depression because it says you never see anything through, which makes you feel crap, and it all cycles and momentum and goes great. So roll forward to now, when I've had like a year and a half of therapy, and I've been able to understand where I'm at. And to say that it's a 180 would be an understatement. Like I completely understand like my emotions now. I can I understand where like stuff coming from. And it was because of that I was like, I should go wrestle again because I would enjoy it and I would be better at it because I would have the confidence to do it. And the things that I should bring this back to wrestling because I'm just waffling. No, um, no, please carry on. I'm, I mean, so, I've, I've experienced something similar myself, so it's fascinating hearing hearing your your side and how so, it affected you. Yeah. So here's here's a re- here's a really good example. It's a wrestling example. So I wrestled Joel Redmond, and I was terrified because he's Joel Redman and he's like he's a scary dude like he's so good at this he's bored and um like he's just a machine he's 12 times the size of anyone he's yeah better than anyone he's just he's the benchmark like he really is he's intimidating obviously and as I said I, I wrestled him and I obviously didn't screw up to the point where he kind of I think he saw something in it. I've never had the conversation with him, but he definitely, like, he started, not necessarily directly, but he started giving me opportunities. He was like, come ref on this show, like, come do this, come do that. Why can't we get Joshua Goodwin on shows? Like, for, like, James Mason and stuff, and just further afield, like, just getting me out there. And all I saw was a group of guys who were so much more talented than me, a group of guys who I couldn't run with, because it was... They had Charlie Sterling, uh, James Mason, mm. um, Joel, and others. Like, I'm not saying that anyone else is like, but everyone knew like exactly what I was doing because that's something I find interesting. Is that there's like this group of guys who know, who have just got it made, and they know everything about wrestling, and they're just so brilliant. And then there's like people who, frankly, they're not, they're not so. Mm, and then you've got, there's no real middle ground. Okay. There's no, like, I like to think, like, me and Dave were, like, that middle ground. And there, there were others, of course. But like, and so, and at the time, I was like, I could not 
there's no way I could get to that height and it would eat me alive. And what actually happened was I would make excuses and I'd be like, I can't, I can't make it to that one. I can't help on this one. And so what happened was the request stopped coming because like as much as like people saw something in me, they, it's not their hill to die on. They're not going to yeah. make me. And so it feeds into the whole like feeling crap. Like it feeds into the whole like feeling worthless because you didn't see it through. And I felt as if I wasted the opportunity. And it was, it was an opportunity. And I look back and I could have done it. And so it, that kind of like, because I now have that relationship where I understand myself, I know where it came from. And so I, I don't like blame myself. But on the other hand, I'm like, I could have done it. Mm. I've done that. My, my, I've, it, I've compared it to a bungee jump. Like, if you could be terrified of that bungee jump, but if you make that jump, you'll feel great about that for the rest of your life because you did it. And if you don't, probably feel crap about it. So, yeah, that's my way again. No, I mean what you're saying makes makes a lot of sense. It really does. Um, I won't go into masses of details because obviously no one's here to listen to me. People want to hear hear you speak, but I experienced some it similar myself. Um, mm. Going back, going back a couple of years, it was it was work related, stress related, um, far too much expected of me. It mm. was affecting my home life, but mm-hmm. uh, and this is the most fascinating thing about about hearing you you open up and explain what you experienced yourself there's so much of what you were saying that's what resonated with me there because I yeah. didn't realize no, there was an issue. I that's the thing. So sorry to interrupt, but like, no, carry on. My, talking about my, my girlfriend, she was like, you need help. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't know what you're talking about. And of course, with the clarity of like, with the clarity of thinking is how I put it. Like being able to see things, how they are, as opposed to what I thought they were like, I didn't realize just talking about like in terms of that relationship, like just how oblivious I was to how miserable I was making everyone else mm. because I was so wrapped up in my own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so being able to like pull out of that and see things like I owed a lot of people, a lot of apologies and I've made those and we're good now. So that's nice. Right. But also, but also I've been able to like apologize to myself. And I've been able to like go change that way of thinking, like that cycle of like, you can't do it, but we'll do something to distract ourselves, but we won't really do it because the anxiety and the doubt will stop you from like truly committing. Yeah, exactly. Which in turn will feed the depression, which will feed the anxiety and the round we go. Yeah. Um, and being able to break that cycle, like, I, I mean, as a performer, like people probably wouldn't see it, but as a person, I'm an entirely different human. And so I am so, so excited to try and like start wrestling again mm-hmm. because, because of that, like, I just, I feel like I'll be that much better a performer. I will enjoy it because much like Dave, I've never wanted to do this for money. Like this has always been a hobby for me. I always think as soon as you make this about money, and there's nothing wrong with doing this as a job, of course. Like, it's great. But for me, I think that if I were to do it for money, like, obviously, I won't get paid. So not yeah. But um, if I do this, like, for money or for financial gain, it becomes something I have to do as opposed to something I want to do. And so I've always wanted to do this for fun. I'll find other things. Actually, a little aside, 
talking about like having done counseling i'm now looking into becoming a counselor because i feel like that would be something i'd enjoy but it's something i would enjoy i guess now but i could also make a career of yeah oh yeah I mean, that's, that's that's fantastic i mean obviously yeah. you, you've i explained it there you've been through some 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 tough times let's let's, let's not beat around the bush here. you've been through some rough times yeah. and the fact that you can now see that yourself and you've effectively come out the other end of that um yeah. and you appreciate what helped you and you want to potentially help others i, I think that's a testament to yeah. Well, I think that's I think that's incredible, and I think you should be applauded for that. It's yeah. I'm sorry. I, the funny thing is, you said that I want to help other people. Like I absolutely do, but it's working out that like cycle. Like I do want to help other people, but I want to do it for me because it make me feel mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and that there's nothing, and that there's nothing wrong with that. No, of course. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because like I think there's, there's like the idea of like it's, there's a selfishness to it, which there is, but there's nothing wrong with that. Like, no, I mean it's again it's it's the. <laughs> I, I suppose, again very much outside looking in here to that sort of side uh-huh. of things but um to me for it to be effective with regards uh-huh. to you helping other people you need to feel that benefit yourself because if you're not yeah. if you're not um i suppose for want of a better term if you're not enjoying what you're doing if you're not doing it for yeah. reasons that you have motivation to do mm-hmm. i imagine there's going to be a knock on there and it will show in the help you're trying to give other people you may not be i don't want to use the term half-assed or phoning it in but i'm kind of leaning towards mm-hmm. that i guess if, it, if, yeah. if you had a day where you didn't fancy it or same as you're saying about wrestling um for money as your job a case of having to do it as opposed to wanting to do it i suppose it's that kind of oh. difference and it needs yeah. i think that's yeah. a really interesting way of of looking at that because having that sort of reason for yourself I think would potentially motivate you to be better for others. It's sort of by proxy, if that makes sense. I can, I can see that. Like I can understand that. I, that is an interesting thought. And one that I hadn't necessarily given, but I think for myself, I just think it's like, I don't want to completely adopt the lifestyle. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, I don't want it to be my entire life because it was like, even when I was doing it at that amateur level, as I said, because I was distracting myself, I was so like laser focused in. And it was like entirely what I was doing. And as I said, it made me miserable because I would be anxious about the most innocuous things. Yeah. I'd be I'd be thinking about like, oh what what move should I do? Oh, but this guy on the on the card does a move that's similar to that. And if I do if I do this, it kind of looks like the other thing I do. So what and ultimately, you take a step back, you go, no one, no one but you cares. <laughs> no, one else, no, no one else notices. Because you said, as a general rule, people who watch wrestling, unless they're like mega like smart, if you want to call it that, they remember the entrance. They maybe remember one or two things. They remember the finish. Right. They're, like, they'll remember if the match is good or bad. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like, what they'll actually remember is, you come in out, they'll remember about you, they'll remember how you won or lost. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Definitely. Um, I suppose bringing it back around to the wrestling then. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, I no, a lot no, of wrestling. No, honestly, absolutely. I've, I've really enjoyed discussing this with you. And, and like I said, with regards to my own troubles and then hearing somebody else open up to that level, not many people know about 
my past issues other than the wife and a few others. So hearing somebody else open up and talk, it, it's really it's really insightful for me. Just just listening to you talk about the process. There's something so liberating about it. Like for years and years and years, I lied and I lied to myself. I lied to everyone, and now like being able to be honest, it just feels so good. Yeah, and hopefully, if you know, who knows, there could be somebody out, out listening to this show when it comes out so. that, that so. day, the following week, a, a year later, whenever, and it might trigger something in them to yeah, hopefully speak to someone to get help and yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, you say now yeah, you're in a position. Yeah, <laughs> you say now you're in a position that you want to be making that return. You want to be coming ah. back. Obviously, we're just in the process now of coming out of lockdowns and so on. Hopefully this is very much um, the sort of COVID era, I guess, in the rear view mirror, potentially, we hope. Um, how, how is that going? How is that work? Whereabouts? Are, are you training anywhere yet? Have you got a company oh, that yeah, yeah. or companies that you're um, looking at? Or? There's not any companies per se. Like I'm happy to work for anyone. Like if they if they want me if I've got if they have a spot that I could fill, I will gladly do it. I'll, however, and this is where like having a bit of a spine comes in now because it didn't used to be the case. I've I've got a very specific idea of what I want to do. I know what I'm good at. I know I say I know what I'm bad at. I'm not bad at much. <laughs> um, and that sounds like big-headed but like no i know i know what i'm doing like yeah but that's again, that's important as well sorry to interrupt right. i think that's really no, no. really important that's really important i think it's very easy to have it's easy to have a certain level of modesty of course and i think everyone should have a certain level of modesty to a degree yeah. however if you know you are good at something then you need to you you need to recognize that personally rather than just have other people tell you because if you recognize that personally then I think it opens up doors for you to walk through because you're aware of you can do what people are asking you to do. I mean, not only is that where it resonates, but it also, in terms of this, in terms of wrestling, it's so much about confidence. Because if you don't believe in yourself, if you're second-guessing yourself for a moment, you will be lost. You will be lost in the weeds. Like you, it will make you a much worse performer. Like mm. The people who are truly like the very bitty best, they know themselves, like, they know their characters, they know what they're doing the entire time to the point they don't have to think about it. And they don't, they don't doubt themselves. They don't think, I wonder if I should do that. They, they know. They know that this is what they, they can do, it's what they should do. And they know, okay, I'm listening, I'm hearing this, therefore I should do this. And, oh, that didn't work, so I'll try this. And, you know, they've they're just, they're, they're just got that level of confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so important to like any aspect of the formula, but wrestling is that. Yeah. No, it's knowing what you can do and it's knowing what you should do and when and why. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. So you say, you know what you want to be doing. You've got an idea of what you want to be doing. Is that going to be similar to the previous Joshua Goodwin or is it going to be a, a change? Are we going to see the hitmen come back at all or where, where are you heading? Or is it literally a case of wait and see? <laughs> well, it's a little bit of wait and see. Um, as it pertains to the hitmen, like I am totally open to the idea of working with Dave because I love Dave. He but sort of like say the actual people who trained me, he trained me and he is 
The only reason he's not gotten further than he has is because he doesn't want to. Mm. Like, he could be, in my opinion, he could be in, like, WWE if he wanted to. But I know that he doesn't want to. But he is that good. He, he just, he's that good. So, yeah. I mean, I love working with David. It's great fun. However, the Heritage City Hitman was very much Dave's thing. Like, and as much as I enjoy being a part of that, I also want to be a part of like something that I've made, something yeah. that's mine. Yeah, because, again, I've, it's something I will have my own identity in. Um, also, like, you watch me and Dave perform, we're quite different in terms of our like what we do mm-hmm. like I'm again a lot more panto and I'm happy with that I enjoy doing that I've, I've always been very much like it's not it's not what you do it's who you are and so I very much want something that's a lot more who you are and in terms of like performance I'll probably still be the same guy however I'll be more obnoxious and terrible because I'm that much more actually full of myself. <laughs> um, and there might be, there's no might, there will be some different window dressing. Ah, okay. Great stuff. I, I look forward to seeing it. I really do. Um, as we sort of draw to a close here today, then I guess, uh, where do you stand currently on, um what we see on the television screens at the moment uh, you mentioned that you you very much similar to me and like you enjoy your jim Crockett promotions nwa and so on where do you stand on what you see currently from wwe nxt a new japan wherever is there anything that you watch on a regular basis or is there nothing that sort of floats your boat at the moment or there is not a lot that i watch that's modern there's not a lot um, I will occasionally watch some WWE because I've got the network and therefore I'll watch a pay-per-view. Um, some of it I quite enjoy, some of it I don't. Like, I remember actually, off the top of my head, I remember watching um, Bobby Lashley against McIntyre at Mania mm-hmm. and thinking this is like an old 80s Hoss match but at like 2,000 speed. Yeah. yeah. Like, they even had like a full Nelson as the finish. It was like, this is like, this is, British Bulldog versus her um, versus Warlord. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just sped up, and like, it's, that I think is an element of like the, the business just changing, and like it catering to different tastes and people like people just have shorter attention spans. Um, but in terms of like watching, I don't tend to watch a lot of stuff that's new. Like, I, like I thought AEW had promise. And like they've got some good ideas, but often they fluff the execution. Okay. And I, and I don't just mean like the obvious ones, like the um, exploding barbed wire, blah blah. The um, people didn't like the thing where they threw Jericho off the deal, but like a lot of it, I feel like I feel there's a lot of too many cooks like, because everyone's got like it's all run by a committee, and so yeah. I think you get a lot of different flavors, which is good, but it, they're too different, and you can tell that they're disparate. Um, and also I don't think they've got a, a, an identity if that makes sense no it does you, you never quite I, I think there's a, a lot of a little bit of this a little bit of that but mm-hmm. no definite uh, yeah. you got. I can see a little bit of New Japan in certain wrestlers and how they work I yeah. can see 
a little bit of WWE with regards to the sports entertainment side of things, mm. I guess. Um, and then you've got, I suppose, guys from more like an indie scene as well who are doing things their way. And it is kind of, in, on one aspect, it's good, I guess, because yeah. wrestling, it, 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 I'm never going to like everything I see on television. Um, yeah. And I understand, uh, we use WWE as an example. They've got Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and so on. It's hours and hours and hours and hours of television every single week. Um, if I was to watch that, there may only be certain moments that I like, but there may be sure. other moments that I dislike that my daughter does enjoy. So I suppose yeah. that that comes into it. But I, I, that's interesting you say about AEW yeah. not really having a set identity. I, I think a lot of that comes from like, so, and you can have people that are different. Like, for example, um, if you've got Cowboy Bill Watts, like, as a booker, if you've got him doing mid-south, and they've got different characters, and they've got, you know, the, 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 in terms of the performance, like, the spectrum's wide, but it's got the same tone. It's all got the same feel. Or actually, for me, I think a, good, a better example might be, like, SmackDown in 03, when I was, SmackDown 03, 02, when I was, like, watching it. Mm-hmm. Having gone back and watched it, like, They've got Tajiri, they've got Mysterio, they've got Noble, they've, they've also got Taker, and they've got... Everyone's very different. And some of the like characters are very outlandish, like Mordecai for a bit. Yeah. Um, and the, but the point was, it all kind of had a similar flavor, underlying. There was an underlying current, and it all felt like it was the same show. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't know if you have that so much anymore with, like, AEW or even WWE. But I think that it, I think it comes back to a much bigger problem that wrestling faces. And I'm, I'm sounding like real big headed, but oh, this is my opinion. I think that a lot more wrestling now is done with the mindset of the rest of themselves if they were the audience, as okay. opposed to considering who the audience is. And I actually think this is a big problem like with wrestling at a, a lot of levels. I think that a lot of that is the whole idea of like the wrestlers who are like, like at the very tippy top versus the ones who ain't quite there. And I think a lot of it is not considering their audience. They are doing stuff that they'd want to see, not that the audience is going to want to see. Like, for example, I equate it to like a magic show for other magicians. If you were a magician putting on a show for other magicians, you're going to have like little sleight of hand. You're going to have like little neat card tricks where they can't see where you've palmed the card or whatever. And it's, it's really interesting and intricate if you know what you're watching. Mm-hmm. Me, I want to see the Empire State building like yeah. disappear. I, I want that. And so oftentimes I feel like the, the audience is often forgotten. Like it's a. That, that, yeah. No, like, that's that's yeah. interesting. I, you know, I I hadn't thought of it that way before. But what you're saying does make a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've got a few issues with AEW is the, the show I watch every week, um, uh-huh. and that and that is because of my little girl. She's um, she first she started watching WWE with me initially, um, and then when Jericho went over to New Japan um, and wrestled Omega. There's a lot of interest in that pay-per-view, of course. So we yeah, got that New Japan. And that sort of got me into New Japan from there. I, I, I love New Japan. Um, but that's where my little girl kind of first saw the Bucks and Cody and Omega. And she thought they were fantastic. Um, so then when AEW started, we've not missed a show. Because that's that's like our thing. I sit with my youngest and watch, watch AEW. Um, now, I've she is... 
she, I love it. It's great. She, she is all in. She thinks it's fantastic. I loved it to that level at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Now we're a couple of years in. There are mm-hmm. things that do. I suppose the old, you know, forty-year-old cynical, grumpy old man. I use like <laughs> um, things that do irritate me a little bit. Um, but again, I suppose it's not always aimed at me. Um, I, I've got a big issue. I'm not a fan of Marco Stunt. For just as an example, um, he's got his place. He can do whatever. Fine, he's, he can be entertaining to some mm-hmm. people. I understand all that. Um, when I see people like Lance Archer or Brian Cage, these huge monsters, mm-hmm. um, being hip tossed or arm dragged or or whatever, by a Marco Stunt, mm-hmm. that kind of takes me out the moment a little bit. See that that actually is it's kind of funny that you would say that, but your daughter doesn't see that. No, that's the thing. She's all right. She she she's all I, it. I, right because that's I would have assumed it'd be the other way because like as someone who's a little bit again smarter, I, I really don't like using the term smarter, but like someone who's a bit smarter, like oftentimes we don't see that. Mm. Like we don't see like that's often like left to the you know the six-year-old was going why why is that big man getting thrown around by that little man that doesn't make sense but it's interesting that that um yeah that it doesn't work that way so, yeah yeah no, I, I, again i didn't think of that yeah but she she's all in on it she loves it. i mean i i enjoy orange cassidy he makes me laugh but i'm not mm-hmm. saying necessarily i want to watch him wrestle every week or whatever he's a comedy guy and he makes me laugh so he does his job but my little girl thinks he's the greatest thing ever she she wants to see him win the world title and so on again it's different orange cassidy is my eugene ah yeah yeah definitely i go you mean she she thinks he's fantastic she (laughs) um okay uh great well again um mr goodwin thank you so so much for your time today i've really really enjoyed it thank you so much for being so honest and open as well i think it's really made for it, it, to me personally, I think it's made for one of the most interesting discussions I've had on the SJP I, wrestling podcast. I, I hope so. I'm, I'm I'm sorry to all the listeners who wanted to hear me talk about wrestling. Apparently, I didn't want to talk about wrestling. <laughs> Honestly, there was enough wrestling there and more. It was brilliant. Yeah. I, I had a great I mean, time. That's, that's that's the other thing. Like, if you ever want to like let old Eaton have a sit, and I'll do a review show with you, I'd love to do that. Oh, that, love, that was the next thing I was going to say. Or get us both on. That'd be great yeah. fun too. That was the next thing I was going to say. Definitely, I'd love to have you back on to look back at an old pay-per-view, an old event, whether it's Brilliant. a personal favourite of yours or something you might not have seen before or something you can recommend to me that I might not have seen before. Whatever. We'll have a chat about it and we'll get it a sorted. Lot, a lot of times when um, like Dave's going to do a review, I will actually be watching it with him. Okay. Because he doesn't, like, it's not, I guess it's more fun when you're watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have a look. We'll have a look. Maybe get you on with Dave and also look at other shows. Maybe some stuff from two thousand and three potentially, if that was the era that you oh, started. Uh, yeah. Or go way back to some Jim Crockett promotions stuff. I'm always happy to look at I, that. I'm 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 happy to look. I I I to be honest, I enjoy watching wrestling. If I get to talk about it, I enjoy watching it. Like it doesn't matter if I think it's good, bad, or indifferent. In fact, it's a lot more fun when it's bad because I can complain about it. And that's fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, before I let you go then, do you want to let mm-hmm. everybody listening know whereabouts they can find you online, uh, in whether it's Twitter land, Instagram, or wherever, um, uh, and go from there? I suppose at the moment, 
There's just Joshua Goodwin on Facebook. Okay. There's some other stuff going on, but again, I'm keeping it a little bit under my hat because it's not ready yet. No worries. No worries. When this comes out, I'll, I'll tag the profile in the, in the stuff as well. Um, everyone who listens, go and give uh, Joshua Goodwin's Facebook page a follow when the, the other social medias are up and running. Give them a follow too. Um, if you see his name on a poster or internet post near you with regards to performing, go and check it out. You will not be disappointed. I've always really enjoyed your work. So hopefully everyone else will as well. Um, and again, thank you so, so much for, for talking to me today. I've had a great thank, time. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the platform to talk about myself for I don't know how long, a while. No worries. And I look very much, I very much look forward to getting you back on soon. That'd be great. Okay. And to everyone else, thank you for listening.